Iowa everywhere. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Heartland Flags and Gifts presents Legends and Listeners with Scott Docterman and Chad Leistico. Fly them high and fly them proud. Find your flag at heartlandflags.com. Breaking down the Big Ten from the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Big Tent fans, and Iowans everywhere. Welcome to episode 29 of Legends and Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Uh, we truly have Big Ten countries circled this afternoon for this 2 p.m. edition of LNL, uh, airing live from the Channel Seed Studios. My name is Chad Leistico. I'm a sports columnist for the Des Moines Register. I just returned home about a half hour ago from Minneapolis after covering the Iowa women's basketball team's 108 to 60 win at the barn last night at Williams Arena, where a lot more Caitlin Clark history was made. And I'm joined by the Athletics' wonderful Scott Docterman, who is blanketing everything at the NFL Scouting Combine over in Indianapolis as we speak. As you can tell, stuff's going on in the background for Scott. Scott, from one Apolis to another, welcome. And how are things in Indy? Yeah, I'm I'm busy, man. It's been a long week already. I've been here since Sunday, and I'll be here through Saturday. And and I'm now I'm here on Radio Row, so I, I got elevated to the to the big time here, uh, just outside of all the interview sessions and when when they took place this morning. So, uh, you know, there's probably I don't know 150 tables here, and most of them are filled with people. So, uh, just trying to take everything in while I can. Well, Scott, I don't know how much you got to catch women's basketball uh, last night, but I do want to start there. We're going to get to NFL Combine talk, Hawkeyes talk, interesting stuff from Minnesota's uh, star safety. Uh, maybe some Cooper DeGene talk in here as well as we get going. But first, uh, I want to kind of lead with a greater conversation about women's basketball. And this kind of has a lot of layers. Certainly the Hawkeyes ending February with perhaps the greatest shooting performance in school history will be included as we go here. But I want to start with some audio from Lisa Bluter last night. Aiden, um, you could probably cue that up and uh, uh, start playing that once I stop talking. But Lynette Woodard is a name that not a lot of people had heard about before this past month and maybe not even – uh, many of you had heard about her until last night, but uh, she was a phenomenal talent in women's basketball in the late 70s, early 80s for Kansas. Well, Caitlin Clark, with a fourth quarter three-pointer, her eighth of the game to finish with 33 points, gave her uh, 3,650 career points, one more than Woodard's 36-49. That was not recognized by the NCAA because it didn't begin governing women's basketball until 1982. Uh, Woodard's career ended in 81 when it was part of the AIAW. So here is what Bluter, who also played in the AIAW when she was at Northern Iowa, had to say about Caitlin Clark passing Woodard last night in Minneapolis. Tonight is the night of the real record. Um, to me, you know, for the AIAW record that Lynette Woodard held, um, that was the real one. You know, for some reason, the NCAA does not want to recognize the basketball that was played prior to 1982, and that's wrong. Um, we played basketball back then. They just don't want to recognize it. And that hurts the rest of us that were playing at that time. You know, I mean, there's no reason why that should not be the true record. And, um, you know, at a school like... Iowa that has been so rich in AIAW history. Um, I just want to make sure we acknowledge Lynette's accomplishments in, in the game of basketball. But 
congratulations to Caitlin for being the true basketball leader in points tonight. Scott, the love that Bluter's comments have, has gotten has been really heartwarming, eye-opening. Um, it's a reminder to me that Caitlin Clark and Lisa Bluter have this platform right now, and they're using it in a really positive way to kind of illuminate the trailblazers of women's basketball right now. This has been a wonderful byproduct of Caitlin Clark's march to immortality, and that is the wet, the inclusivity of everything that came before her, after her, you know, and, and will after her, I should say. And that and that includes, I, I have a story going up tomorrow about the kind of the marriage of um, Caitlin Clark and this Iowa basketball team, the six on six, um, and how everything is really um, kind of married the past to the present among the fans. And then likewise with Lynette Woodard and with all these other factors, I think it's really, um, it's heartwarming, as you said, and and there is a little bit of irony in there that Christine Grant actually fought to keep A I W A A I W A I W. I'm sorry, um, separate from the NCAA, and then eventually the they decided they wanted to go under the NCAA banner. But it should be kind of like what I would say with like the NFL when they when the AFL merged that they decided we're going to accept all the statistics from that era. And I think that's what they should do here, that anything that came before, if it could be verified, uh, should be part of it. And, but either, even so, I mean, before this year, nobody heard of, of uh, Lynette Woodard. You know, I mean, Kelsey Plum even to an extent was known, but not really revered or how many people actually knew she was the all-time leading scorer in Iowa, not, not on ton. And, and then when you're starting to bring these people up and then their lives and what they experienced. And, and I think that it's just adding to another rich tradition and, and you've got Caitlin Clark to thank for that. And Lisa Bluter. I, I had a conversation here with uh, Stacy Dales and, and uh, I said, I really want to know what you think. And she said a lot of great things about, um, Caitlin Clark and how she can separate and do all these great things. But then also uh, she said, I'm really happy for Lisa Bluter because it really allows people to see her as a great coach. And, and I think that's, that's another part of this, that everybody knows who Iowa is. Everybody now knows who Lisa Bluter is and how, what a great coach she is. And it's really allowed the Iowa brand to flourish in the in women's basketball. Yeah. I love that. I love Stacy Dale's coverage, by the way. Uh, did you talk to her about the bears a little bit? I know she's uh, passionate about the bears. We didn't get that far. I mean, we okay. were walking in and inside here. It's, it's pretty, it, there's a lot of long uh, corridor ways, but it was all women's basketball and I had a lot more to ask, but I had to go. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I got you. Direction, but... I know, yeah. It sounds crazy over there. Right? There's guys like walking behind you and like just on their phone and stuff. You, you don't even know this, but uh, yeah, you can tell it's busy. Uh, I want to talk about media coverage, Scott. Uh, ESPN's Holly Rowe was at the game last night, uh, which was aired by Peacock. <laughs> On Sunday, ESPN's college game day will be in Iowa City for a game between Iowa and Ohio State that will air one hour later on rival Fox. Uh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not, and it's not just Iowa. We're seeing a lot of like coverage of LSU women's basketball, Dawn Staley, South Carolina, Paige Beckers is coming back. You know, everybody's excited about that. Uh, Iowa is the epicenter of women's basketball coverage, but it almost feels like be, because of kind of what's happening in Iowa, everything is being, you know, highlighted in women's basketball. We're going to have a one hour show from Iowa city, you know, uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, fans will be out there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the amount of coverage we're seeing for this sport right now? And also do you believe after Caitlin Clark is gone to the WNBA, whenever that is, will this impact kind of carry on? I do to an extent. Um, what I'd like about this is it's all organic. This isn't a forced, we got to make sure we cover them equally because of this. It's, I mean, when you're talking about television networks, it's about revenue. It's about eyeballs and revenue. And the women's basketball product is proven this year and Iowa especially, but the others as well. I mean, as you said, LSU and South Carolina had, I think the highest ratings on ESPN this year um, that, you know, but people are watching it and there's a lot of interest. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations here with fellow reporters from all over the country and they know, they pay attention. They know more about women's basketball than they do men's basketball. And, you know, that's part of the discussion that needs to take place with men's basketball is how do you better promote your product? But 
taking the, the women's angle of this is that all these people know these names, Angel Reese, Paige Bukers, um, you know, Cody McMahon, you know, of course, Caitlin Clark and and Audie Crooks, you know, and within Iowa and, and all around the country. So th that promotion is, is based on interest. And I think since COVID, we've seen kind of a, a flattening out and rising up organically of sports and sports coverage. People are go flocking to the things that interest them and ignoring the things that aren't. And women's basketball right now is really hot. And, you know, the Peacock games, I think people, you know, are kind of, eh, you know, shrugging them. Well, that's because they're historic games and they're on a streaming service. But it's still really important because NBC wanted to use those uh, to, to grow its platform, paid for those. And then with Peacock, um, it's, you know, it's a wave of the future. And, and so it's kind of like BTN was in 2007 and 2008. So it, it's annoying for people, but all the IndyCar coverage is going to come on Peacock this year. You've got a playoff game in the NFL, you know, mm -hmm. 10 football games have been on there and will be on there. So this is just an extension of that. And I think the realization is, is pretty obvious. Lisa Bluter's comments about Lynette Woodard and Caitlin Clark and the AIAW caused me to reflect a little bit as I drove home from Minneapolis today. And uh, while a lot more people are noticing women's basketball now, I am proud of the commitment that both of our publications, The Athletic for You, The Des Moines Register for Me, have invested ourselves into women's basketball coverage. You guys have uh, a lot of national women's basketball writers. That's really great for the public. It's great for the sport. I remember two, three dec decades ago at the Des Moines Register, we had Titans like Jane Burns and Dan Johnson crisscrossing the Big Ten, the Big Eight, the MVC uh, to cover women's basketball. Iowa, Iowa State, you and I, Drake, uh, have all had rich women's basketball histories. And I'm, I am proud to say that, the, that our paper, the Des Moines Register, has, has recognized it. Uh, we've gotten a lot of smaller over the years, a lot smaller. It's a really difficult industry right now. You've experienced that. I've experienced that, losing a lot of coworkers in my uh, three decades now, pretty much uh, at the same company. And if you ever want to win PR points out there in this world, go attack the media. We're an easy target. The mobs grow quickly. Anytime anyone wants to attack those of us who write things and do things, that maybe some of you don't like so much. But I'm proud to say that nobody in our state has made a bigger commitment to covering women's basketball than the Register. We have a full-time Iowa women's basketball writer in Dargan Southerd. Uh, this is his winter. My bosses, for the very first time this year, many months before the season started, decided that we were going to cover Hawkeye women's hoops home and away. We've never done that before. We're doing that this year. We missed one game. It was at Rutgers. Uh, we even went to that, that tournament in Florida during football season. Uh, that's cut into some other stuff uh, that we could be doing at a time when every dollar matters. But we know that the investment in telling the stories of Caitlin Clark and this Iowa team, you know, Gabby Marshall, Kate Martin, Molly Davis. These are household names, too, Scott, right now. And uh, this team is important to everyone out there listening to our voice or reading our work. My winter like has been probably 60% Iowa women's basketball, and it would have been higher if not for the offensive coordinator search. So I've probably been 25% football, maybe 15% men's basketball. I mean, I was talking to Patrick McCaffrey the other day, uh, and he was kind of making fun of me. He's like, do you even work anymore? I was like, dude, I'm like covering the women this year. Uh, I'm really sorry, but uh, that's where the story is. So uh, I'm warmed and warmed every day about the positive number of emails, text groups, messages that I receive from readers, followers, just saying thank you. I feel like it's been an un maybe untapped. Or I don't know. Just like there's a vibe out there that I think the athletic and the register have really tapped into this year uh, and kind of. It's nice to see that th that the work that both of our, our places are doing is kind of being recognized. Uh, and I think it's important because it's a historical event right now that's happening in our state. I've missed a lot of family dinners, a lot of kids activities to make sure I've been doing the absolute best job I can for our readers. Aware. It's been I mean, it's been so demanding, but it's also a historically important, Scott. And I'm appreciative of both of our companies for helping to tell the stories and increase the visibility of women's basketball. And I feel like Lisa Bluter, to bring it full circle, use that platform that we have and and the volume that is interested in this to make big points about women's basketball. It, it's kind of all full circle and it. 
it just, I don't know. I guess it's a long winded thing, but I was just kind of reflective about it on my drive home today. I've been at, and as of you, I'm sure, you know, been to Big Ten media days for basketball in the past where a lot of times there would be the men's and the women's. And I was covering the men and nobody there was covering the women's. And I felt like out of obligation, I needed to go and at least talk to Lisa, the players that they had there. I probably wasn't going to write anything, maybe one story, but, but, you know, it felt like an obligation. And this was about 15 years ago or so um, that it's no longer an obligation. It's what people want. I mean, that's, there's a reason why the arena is full not just for Caitlin Clark. It was getting a more passionate audience through the Megan Gustafson era, and it's continued to grow. And now with this um, current phenomenon um, that, that we've never seen before, that I think it, it's it's turned it into just not just some passing fancy, but as my story kind of writes tomorrow or comes tomorrow is that this was this was something that was always there. It was always just needed to be tapped into uh, the passion of the six on six crowds for 75 years and the interest there at the state tournament of the e Wayne Cooley, you know, and there the, the vision of the Iowa girl. Um, now though they're the, like Lisa brings up, you know, the, the title nine generation. Now they're the moms and grandmas and they want to see women's sports succeed. You go to those games. Yes. We've talked a lot and, and chirped a lot and written a lot about the 14 year olds, the 10 year olds, the seven year olds with the Clark 22 shirts, but there are just as many, if not more 50 year olds, 60 year olds, 70 year old women who are just as proud to be there and support the team. And, and uh, I had a conversation with Jan Jensen a couple weeks ago and kind of like, I, and she was kind of like, well, I don't know what kind of crowds we'll get, you know, what kind of drop we'll have after Caitlin Clark at some point. And I said, I don't think it's going to be that severe. I, you know, maybe you get 80% of what you have now, but there are so many people that are committed to watching this sport and are interested in watching the sport. And yes, it'll drop a little bit because of the Caitlin Clark factor, but I think it's also um, that there's a lot of people who will root for them and watch them anyway. And I think that's really the, the, most important byproduct of Iowa, Iowa's success and Caitlin Clark's uh, immortality in the sport that people are watching this product. They enjoy it. It's different than men's basketball. If you can call, if you can see it for the, what it is, which is much better passing, much more proficiency skill is not above the rim. And yes, we want to watch the athletic <laughs> last night. I did not watch the, the Iowa women's game, although this, this will tell you just kind of where I am. I, I went to the NBA game last night, the Tyrese Halliburton, and it was the Pacers versus the Pelicans and Zion Williamson. And I went there with the three other people. We left in early in the fourth quarter. And the whole time I was there, or at least the, the third quarter, I was just on stat broadcast following the Iowa game and I just turned at the one point I go yeah there's three minutes at three and a half minutes into the game Caitlin Clark's already hit four three pointers so you know but they were more interested in that too you know and we're sitting there looking at the flags and there's the Indiana fever and we're talking about what wow what would this place be like if Caitlin Clark comes here that's a regular conversation there was nothing forced about it and I think that's what's really interesting to me at this point Chad I love that perspective. Thank you for that. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just so cool. I mean, last night at Williams arena, it was, it was probably 50% gophers, 50 Hawkeyes, maybe a little more gophers, but uh, I was ahead by almost 50 points and the whole place was still full with three minutes left in the game. I mean, it's, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, Iowa hit 22, three pointers, Caitlin Clark, you know, set the record, uh, I think with about four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So um, that gets her past uh, Lynette Woodard. She's one point over uh, Woodard now. Now the all-time women's basketball division one, I guess. You know, uh, there's the Pearl Moore crowd out there. But what was, she was division two or NAIA. I don't know. Right? Um, yeah. But anyway, we wrote the, we wrote about her today. Yeah, she's the so Caitlin's the record holder, uh, and. She set more records than that last night. I couldn't believe it snuck up on me that she set the NCAA single season three point record last night 
We haven't even started the postseason. She's at 156 three-pointers, Scott. And she's she's on the doorstep of, of passing Taylor Robertson of Oklahoma, who had five years and had, I think, 537. I think Caitlin's in the 503. I think she's at 503 now. So, uh, And she she's the first Big Ten women's player to ever hit – or of any Big Ten men or women's player to hit 500 three-pointers in the career. Those numbers are just staggering. 156 threes this year. I had no idea, you know, and, and after a while, the, the superlatives kind of run away with everything. And you just, you start to, oh, record here, record here. And it becomes, it almost like they dole each other. Like, oh, so tonight she passed Lynette Woodard on Sunday. She'll pass, uh, you know, Pistol Pete and, and they all run together and, and the, the prominence of them almost fades. And then you look at something like that and, Really? Wow. You know, I mean, she has a, more than a thousand assists in her career. That's that just blows my mind. You know, when you start to see, you know, what she's like as a as not only a scorer, but as a, as, as a distributor and her passing ability. And I was watching Chris Halliburton last night and he's making some unreal passes. And I'm like, but this isn't exactly foreign to me because she she makes similar passes. You know, it, it's uh you know, Chad, you know, I, I think both of us are grateful. We're not like some of our, you know, the generational predecessors, you know, who were truly ogres at times in this, in this industry and really were just like constantly negative. But, you know, I think I'm, I'm truly appreciative that I've been able to witness this up close. You know, it's something that I'll never forget just, you know, and this, you know, it still has a run in it left in her. You know, there's Big Ten championships, and then, then there's the the NCAA tournament, and how many games that, and I'll be at all of them. I'm sure you will be too. And and uh, so, I'm just appreciative that I've gotten a chance to have an up close seat to watching this, um, not only a shooting star, but just the just the the greatest athlete in Iowa sports history. Yeah, no question. Uh, last thing, I know you didn't watch the game last night, but Iowa hit 22 three-pointers on 39 attempts last night. Um, it was it was about the most perfect game you could have before basically Sunday, when Sunday is when it really begins. I mean, that's when March Madness essentially begins for the Hawkeyes because this is the number two team in the country. This is where you lost a game in the fourth quarter to Ohio State. They're number, you know, you're number six, they're number two. Uh, Caitlin was, you know, blindsided on the court storm in that game. Uh, there's so much at stake beyond the Pistol Pete stuff. Uh, it's senior day for Caitlin, for Kate Martin, for Gabby Marshall, for Molly Davis. Not their last home games, but senior day nonetheless. And uh, last night couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, Gabby Marshall breaks out of her funk. She has right. 16 points. Taylor McCabe hits five three-pointers. Now four of them were in their last three and a half, four minutes. But uh, she's – She's a, some something to use out there uh, and get more time in. Uh, Kylie Fierbach is heating up. Molly Davis is kind of back to normal. She was five for five from the floor last night, 11 points, five assists. Uh, like last night, Scott, I know you didn't get to watch the game, but I'm telling you, like last night looked like a team that could go win a national title, and I, I wasn't thinking that at all last week when I saw them face Indiana. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's something about this team that if they're hitting transition threes, if they're getting up and down the court, um, then they are very much capable of competing all the way to the end against anybody. If they can, you know, granted 22 three pointers, <laughs> you know, that's going to do it against anybody. But, but I know what you mean, you know, as far as style goes, I'd have watched some highlights this morning. Um, of course, I had my wife texting me throughout the game because she watches it you know, probably has rewatched the game already. Uh, so, I mean, and, and I'm, and I'm happy, you know, the other day against Illinois that Kylie Fierbach, you know, was able to come off the bench, hit a couple of three, hit three threes um, that they're really heating up. Cause that is their strength. If they can play that style of ball, then, then they've got a chance against everybody. But, you know, what's, what's also interesting here, Chad, is I've, you know, there's several people who cover Ohio state and our first conversation isn't about, Tim Lester. It isn't about the number of Hawkeyes who are here or the number of Buckeyes who are here. It's wow. There's a big game going on on Sunday. I mean, you know, again, 
we're at the NFL scouting combine and there are, I don't know, 10 Buckeyes and four Hawkeyes. And yes, we talked about all that other stuff, but it was really the lion's share was, you know, wow. And then I, you know, one of them was like, I went to go cover the game the last time, but there wasn't a seat there. And so I'm like, well, all right, fine. And they, one of them couldn't get in. And the other one, you know, covered it, but, you know, was just shocked by the, the arena and stuff. So it's, it's a phenomenon that's well beyond just, you know, Iowa fans. I mean, the Caitlin Clark effect, no matter if one fan base wants to negate it, it's real. Uh, great conversation there, Scott. I want to thank Steeple Ridge Bourbon, another sponsor of Legends and Listeners. Steeple Ridge delivers a high-quality, delicious drinking bourbon. And if you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite retailer, ask for it by name. Steeple Ridge is distilled, aged, and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. I was listening to uh, Chris Williams' podcast with Andrew Downs, formerly of KX Snow, recently, and they were talking about Steeple Ridge and how good it is. So uh, take their word for it, uh, not mine. And uh, I know Chris is a, an expert uh, in the bourbon department. So <laughs> if they're a sponsor for Chris Williams, I'm guessing it's uh, it's really good. Um, uh, yeah. But I, don't, but I don't drink. So, um, yeah. so, so uh, Scott, well, go ahead. You know, I want. I do want to bring up that uh, you can you can have Mom's Day with Barry Manilow, and uh, one grand prize winner receives round trip airfare and hotel, and four lucky winners receive a pair of tickets to see I uh, to see the legend Barry Manilow. Uh, it is August 1st show. So tell us why you'd love to connect with your mother at Manilow's August 1st show. Email win at iowaeverywhere.com and have your own Copacabana. <laughs> well done. All right, Scott. I kind of monopolized uh, a lot of that with women's basketball the first 20, 25 minutes here. So I'm going to throw it to you. Do you want to go combine where you are at or do you want to stick with hoops and go men's basketball? It's, I'm going to let you lead the way here. You know what? I'm going to marry the two, and I'm going to I'm going to start with a tweet from last night, and from someone who hit five three pointers. And at 11 o'clock last night, Miss Taylor McCabe says it wasn't a fair catch, and <laughs> I I laughed and I thought, my gosh, this is amazing. And then Jan Jensen said, you know, boy, you're on fire on the court and on Twitter, <laughs> and. Uh, that really, you know, that became kind of a fun discussion point. Now, unfortunately, uh, there were only about 75 people around Cooper DeGene today, and, and the questions were limited, and we couldn't quite get that. We did discuss the topic of it, and he said it's, it still should have been a touchdown. And Tyler Newbin from Minnesota said that uh, he thought it was a touchdown, but, but hey, the refs are the refs, and he's going to abide by that ruling. And, uh, but overall it's been it's been fascinating We've now i've now spoken with three iowa players and several other big 10 players and, and national uh, to go along with it but uh logan lee was yesterday cooper DeGene and eric all today and then finally uh, on saturday will be tory taylor uh let's start with cooper and you know his uh injury he's now back to running full speed that was last night he's not going to be working out uh here or even at his pro day, but he will have a workout for, for scouts before the draft to show what, what he can do. And, you know, fractured his fibula um, playing offense um, on that day and, and, you know, the week of the, the Illinois game and has been working his way back. Um, you know, some there has been some discussion, and this will be part of the story, that, you know, he's got a chance to be the first white starting cornerback since Jason Seahorn in 2002. And uh, but there's a lot of also discussion that, uh, you know, does he, you know, about him moving to safety and is that a byproduct of him being of his skin color? And he blew it off. He didn't really want to get involved in any of that. So uh, what he decided to talk about was more that, well, that's because I'm, I'm a pretty good interior defender, too. And I think he's right in that regard. So uh, so I've, I've you know, we, we got gathered a lot on on Cooper and uh, Eric all is, is still progressing from his ACL. Um, he's, you know, you need, you know, really focused on the NFL as opposed to, uh, coming back to college so much to the point of, 
I said, did you ever think about coming back and putting together a really strong full season and then going to the NFL? And he goes, wow, that would have been a good idea. And I'm like, um, yeah, that would have been a good idea. But because um, he's not going to be really ready, you know, until maybe October, I would imagine. So, but he says he feels good. Um, and Logan Lee looks like he's in great shape. He's discussed, met with a lot of teams, you know, has discussed playing anywhere from a three tech to a five, you know, so with, for people that's, you know, either over the guard or all the way to over straight up on the tackle, not outside the tackle. But uh, so overall, they've, they've done well. You know, speaking before everybody, the Logan Lee's drills go on today, and I I could go over there if I want to, but I don't think I will. But um, but yeah, it was, you know, and then of course Tory Taylor will be a really interesting subject come Saturday. Okay, so he he talks Saturday or competes Saturday or what? Okay, uh, yeah, he talks Saturday. Tory Taylor, okay. is. nice. Uh, so I've, I've always thought uh, you that DeGene would be a great slot corner in the NFL because he's that's the cash position basically at Iowa. And he is physical. He's a little bit bigger guy, but he's also fast enough and has the ball skills. I mean, is that a discussion for him to, to be kind of a slot corner? And I know slot corners don't always go first round, but maybe. Um, kind of, what do you think of that? And do you, has the conversation continued to put him in late first round? territory this week in, in Indy? Yeah, it's still probably um, the teens to the to the 20s. You know, I, I think anywhere from high teens, you know, 13 to 25, I think it's still realistic to put him there. And, and he can play multiple positions. And a lot of this does come down to defense and preference in defense that some, you know, let, let's take uh, the Iowa State corner, TJ Tampa longer arms, you know, is a taller body, you know, more linear. That's what some people want from somebody more on the, uh, uh, from that position and, you know, on the outside and Cooper physically doesn't look that part. That doesn't mean he can't play it. It just means this is how we want to play it. We want somebody who's long, who could jam at the line of scrimmage, who's got long striding ability. And, and, and so that's understandable. I know there's at least one team that's, that's probably not in that ballpark, but you know, at the same time that he could play multiple positions and the versatility in the NFL and that in the secondary is so important because, you know, we talk about sub packages at Iowa. I mean, right now they're about 80%, you know, five defensive backs. Um, at the NFL, it varies from down to down, you know, that you have five DBs, you have six, you have four. And Cooper DeGene's versatility puts him in perfect position to play slot corner, um, to play safety when needed to play outside when needed. And there are some defenses where he would be an absolutely perfect fit. And then, then you throw on the, the fair catch discussion, which had to generate a little interest. And, um, but, you know, and he said that he, uh, he was asked by some NFL scouts and he's been hit up by about 20 formal meetings since he's been here. Um, but, you know, his punt return skills are the best I've seen, you know, really the only player I've seen in Iowa with comparable ones would probably be Tim Dwight. And I don't think Tim Dwight was as shifty as Cooper DeGene, a little faster, not much faster, but a little faster, but Cooper, you know, can run. And, you know, I think a better discussion about him is maybe, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey type, you know, as far as his athletic ability. So I think he's a first rounder. He'll be the first one since, uh, since going way back to, uh, Tom, uh, Tommy Knight. Tommy Knight. I'm just blanking yeah. on his name. I had it on. <laughs> number my nine overall. Number, number nine. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't quite live up to that. But no, he you, you think, lost. yeah, you think about all the great defensive backs we've covered here, Chad, and, and they've had it, or, uh, you know, Phil Parker took over, and, you know, Bob Sanders was a second rounder. Desmond King is a fifth rounder. So was Micah Hyde. Uh, you know, you had fourth rounders like Amani um, Hooker, you know, Felton. starters, pro bowlers. Yeah. And yet he's going to be the first first rounder since before Kirk and Phil Barker took over. That's wow. pretty remarkable. Wow, that's good perspective. Uh, I wanted to ask you before we move on to men's basketball, Scott, about the Tyler Newbin quote today. As, as I saw you tweeted it out. Uh, they were asked, uh, I think John from the Gazette asked, you know, were you able to figure out what the Hawkeyes were doing in that 12 to 10 Minnesota win at Kinnick Stadium earlier this year? 
Uh, here's what Tyler said. He said, yeah, we did, especially in the second half. We knew what they were doing every single time they came out there. Probably not like a surprise to anybody, you know, but also kind of validates all those out out there. They're like, man, our offense is too predictable. Change it up, Brian. Yeah. What did you think of that quote? Uh, I laughed. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, because you can't help but laugh, but – you know, he was asked first what he thought of the Iowa offense, and he tried to be really political. And I didn't tweet that one. It was just like, well, you know, every time you go to Kinnick, you know, you got to be ready for a battle. And, you know, we had a good week of practice and watching film and getting ready for that game. And then John, to his credit, asked about tendency. <laughs> That's what he said, that they knew. And, and they played like they knew. I mean, Iowa had a total of 12 yards after halftime in that game. So um, it was validated by what he uh, – <laughs> you know what he wrote or what he said. So yeah. um, it certainly does not speak well, you know, and for all the discussion that we've had about the fair catch, they still had the ball at their, at their own 45 with a, what, a minute and a half left in the game, roughly to get 25 yards, 30 yards. And they, they might be able to get a game winning field goal and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't do anything in that second half. Yeah, good point. So, Tim Lester, take note. Uh, you got to do more than just have a good script to start the game. If <laughs> you're an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm good with moving back to men's basketball. We got about 10 minutes left if you are, Scott. Yeah, you bet. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, I think the Hawkeyes are, are basically in that first four out territory, maybe on the fringe of first four out. Which of course would uh, you know be first four out for Dayton at this point, but still it's the tournament, as Fran McCaffrey once told you, right? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you call it? Like a play-in game or something? I call it. Yeah, I called it. I said the play-in game. He's like, okay. it's not the play-in game. It's, it's the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's the NCAA tournament. And then, Sorry to and then, <laughs> and then like the the next like a year or two later, we were watching Utah compete at the at the NBA scouting combine, and they started talking about the play-in game. And I just wanted it was just me and him, and we're sitting there in the stands, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Man, you know, I had to answer so many radio question calls about that. I mean, it's just like, come on, you know. So anyway, anyway, uh, anyway. I will, I will potentially in play for Dayton. Uh, maybe you know they gotta get some get some stuff taken care of here in the next two games. But uh, I assume you got to watch some of that Penn State game on Tuesday night. And, man, uh, you know, kudos to Peyton Stanford for ha Stanford for having twenty three hours. Of triple double glory um, before Caitlin Clark had her own, but uh, yeah, this team's playing as well as it has all year. I mean, I'm not, they didn't have the greatest game against Penn State, but they did enough to win, and they're in position to, you know, win two. I think. I feel like if they win these next two, they're probably. I don't know. I don't want to say in for sure, but within one more win of being in at, at minimum. I'm, I'm there with you based on how I've seen this team play. And let's face it, you know, we've seen a lot of great Iowa teams, very, very good Iowa teams go to Illinois and walk away. And, um, you know, they basically left their shorts out on the curb there in Urbana and, you know, and they ended up, uh, you know, winning decisive, you know, you know, getting beaten the other day, but they were in the game all but the last probably five minutes and then they kind of gave it up. That's not the worst possible thing to do. Go on, go to Illinois and losing, especially when you go to Michigan state and you win and you dictate tempo throughout that. And then yes, to, to beat Penn state and have the first, I, I didn't realize that it was going to be the first triple double in Iowa men's basketball history. I would have guessed Ronnie Lester, BJ Armstrong, Andre Woolridge, somebody like that would have had a triple double, but for Peyton Sanford, to do it. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. And of course I like this joke, you know, about, well, Caitlin does it pretty much every day. And then of course she sandwiched that game by two days before and one day after by doing it. But, but I'm there with you. If they can take care of business now, this neither game is going to be easy. I mean, you know, Northwestern has been, I, I want to say at least last I checked, they were undefeated at home. That may have changed since I last seen them. I haven't paid attention the last few days. Yeah. They're eight. And then it'll, yeah, they're eight no at home in Big Ten play. They did lose to Chicago State somehow earlier this year at home, but 
<laughs> yeah, three oh two in Ken Palm. They lost at them, but other otherwise they're perfect at home. Go ahead. Um, that's like the Iowa loss last year to Eastern Illinois. Yeah, right. But but yeah, and then they play the the mighty Illini to close out Big Ten season, which I think is an interesting game. They've done that a couple of times where the final game has been Iowa Illinois, and I think FS1 likes that. It's rivalry game. It's going to be a heated game. It's going to be up and down the floor, and it's going to be a really important game. I mean no matter what happens with Northwestern, um, Iowa playing Illinois at home, you have to win that game if you want to get to the NCAA tournament. I, I think that's a must-win game. Um, if they lose at Northwestern, then it becomes even more ramped up. But even if you win and then you lose at home, then you're putting yourself back on that bubble, and then you got to go to a minimum Saturday you know, in the tournament. And that's not a good place, and it's a place Iowa rarely succeeds in. Yeah, I was in seventh place right now, Scott, in the Big Ten standings all by itself at nine and nine in Big Ten play. I mean, it's it is impressive. I feel like McCaffrey has done a really good job shaping the roster to be the best that it can be for this point in the season. He's got Josh Dix playing at a high level. Uh, this is clearly the best he has played all year, and he's he's been sensational of late. Tony Perkins, you can just tell he's kind of got that. You know, I'm going to will this team to the finish line mentality. Uh, even after he was held without a point in the first half the other day, he had a lot of big buckets against Penn State and Sanford. You know, again, scoring, um, even when he's not shooting well, scoring at a high level, doing other things. Um, you know, Patrick McCaffrey's giving him some stuff off the bench. And then, uh, you know, Owen Freeman continues to be, I mean, he's going to be the Big Ten freshman of the year. So they've really got. And then Ben Crick, you, you know, you throw him in there too. They got a really good top six and then a few contributions from Lodgy Dembele, Price Sanford, Brock Harding. You got a pretty nice nine-man rotation right now. Um, and it and it works well because you got those three freshmen, Dembele, Price, and Harding, that they can see the long term. I mean, they don't have to play a ton of minutes right now. You can lean into those top six, I think, pretty regularly. Um and everybody's pretty happy for the most part. DeSante Bowen, unfortunately, out for the year with knee surgery. But um, anyway, I just kind of – it's. I would say we had a conversation a few weeks ago, like it's not even that much fun to watch this team. But right now I'm having a lot of fun watching this team because they're they're playing well. It's amazing what it, what playing well does to your mentality, even in a loss like to Illinois. You're right. And because for so long the season was win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And they're losing winnable games and games that really mattered to the, you know, to the, the chip total. You know, you need to get to, you know, 500 in the Big Ten, but also beating some of these teams that you're battling with for position. And then, you know, when you see Maryland, that's really kind of struggling and, you know, and Indiana that you really feel like, dang, you know, you can't believe you lost those games. But I, but I think when you're looking now at the way they're playing, especially since the Wisconsin game to go on and win back-to-back -back games there and play hard and, and well for the most part against Illinois for 35 minutes and then to bounce back and, and beat Penn State, get a big lead and then fight them off at the end. And um, I think this might be Fran McCaffrey's best coaching job. And I don't say that lightly. Um, because early on in the year, especially when they were 0-3 in this Big Ten season, it wasn't like last year where they're playing good teams. This year that other than Purdue, you know, it was like, you know, the way they started. I, I thought that, um, you know, they were headed for the boneyard. <laughs> you know? And instead, um, to be in this position where they can probably at worst be in the NIT and to have a winning season and if they go at worst 10 and 10 in the big 10 you know if they at least win one of their last two games then that'll mark all but one year since like 2012 that they've been um at least 500 in the big 10. that's a pretty impressive stretch because you look at you know this year is not the best year but there have been a lot of really good years that they've been pretty good too and you know we we can nitpick and i have and i've blasted them at times you know for the lack of tournament success but 
you know, to take a young team like this, Chad, that void of superstars with really no direction. There was no like, you know, even in the last couple of years, you know, it's like, well, they have Luca Garza or, well, they have Keegan Murray or Chris Murray that you knew who was going to be their number one. We didn't know that. And it really had to develop, um, you know, purely on its own before it reached this point. And, and now you look at it and you think, they're playing with a lot of chemistry. They've got some good players. They know their roles. They know how to play with one another. I like the direction of this. And, and again, maybe it's an NCAA tournament team. Maybe it's Dayton or maybe it's the NIT. But I think overall this is a plus season. And that's something that I wasn't going prepared to say a month ago. Yeah, no question. And I like that. You know, Owen Freeman's been such a revelation this year, but he doesn't have to be on every night for the Hawkeyes to succeed. So that, and that's a really good thing as a true freshman. So he can, you know, he's kind of a complimentary piece despite some of the good numbers he's put up. It's really, as it's kind of played out, it's really revolved around Sanford and Perkins with now Josh Dix kind of entering that fray as well. I wanted to look at the bubble before we go, Scott, a few teams ahead of Iowa kind of consensus in the overall seed lines. Uh, one example is Villanova. Uh, I was looking at their resume here. Um, they're a couple notches kind of above Iowa, I guess, uh, but they're 16 and 12 overall. They're nine and eight in Big East play. You know, that's a, that's a team you want to root against if you're Iowa. They're at Providence on Saturday. Uh, they, you know, Ken Palm has them losing that game by one. You know, you want them to lose that game. <laughs> They're at Seton Hall next Wednesday. That's a team Iowa beat Seton Hall. So that would be like a double win. You I know, mean, those are the types of things we're, we're going to be following. You know, Seton Hall beats Villanova. Hey, that's doubly good for Iowa because Iowa beat Seton Hall and now they beat Villanova. So uh, there's really nobody that Iowa is in position to like chase down in the Big Ten. Iowa's kind of the, the one bubble team really – in the big 10 right now um you're not gonna uh you know nebraska northwestern they're pretty much in uh, michigan state pretty much in uh you know behind iowa you, you're not gonna see minnesota in you're not gonna see ohio state in those types of teams so uh, Iowa's kind of the big 10 bubble team so uh another couple teams on that bubble right now are like utah uh, New Mexico, Richard Patino. <laughs> uh, now there's there's certainly teams that could come from behind, but uh, you know Colorado, St. John's, even Gonzaga. These are teams you want to root against as Iowa kind of tries to jockey itself to the finish line. But I do believe if they can somehow win these next two, that I think they'll just naturally bump over those teams because those will be two quad one victories, and that's what's great about how this schedule has played out for the Hawks. Sure. And, and then they played some good opponents um, in the non-conference, not not in Iowa City, but, uh, you know, Oklahoma is, is kind of more is somewhat of a bubble team, you know, even Seton Hall to an extent. That but, great, you know, at you know at, those are huge right. games. You know, going there and losing is better than being, you know, whatever directional school from the you know some state. Um, at home. And, and so I, I, overall, this is, they're in a decent position. And that's something that we weren't sure that they could even get into three weeks ago. And it, and part of that's beating Wisconsin and, and Michigan State back to back, I think, and then taking care of business against a, a Penn State team that's been playing well. I mean, beat Illinois at home and, and doing all the things. It at least leaves at that Iowa has the chance to handle its own business, to take it to where it wants to go. I mean, last year was, what, 19 and 12, 19 and 13 to get to the tournament, and then it finished 19 and 14. And and then this year, you know, they're, what, 17 and 12 now. So if they can get to – I think 20 wins is probably the magical number. Yeah, I know. You know, if that's two and then one in the Big Ten tournament or one and then two, it probably gets them there. I think – Two and one, the, you know, winning, going eleven and nine in the Big Ten, even though that's not officially configured, but, and then winning one in, in Minneapolis, that probably keeps them out of uh, Dayton. Now one plus two probably puts them in there, you know, but, but even so, getting to the tournament with this team, and the way things have shaped out, it's it's a winning year for me and the Fran McCaffrey 
season. And, you know, they've had a lot of personal issues on the side. And, you know, they, they lost some really good players. I mean, yeah. you know, not only Chris Murray to the NBA, but, you know, Connor McCaffrey was such a staple to this program for so long and what he was able to do and, and provide. And you, you just can't replace that leadership. It's a leadership vacuum. And they've had to fill it with different players doing different things, not the same thing that he did, and certainly not having that voice. And I think for them to find a way to make it happen, you know, even in a down year of the Big Ten, but that doesn't matter, uh, you know, but to find a way to make it happen, I think speaks a lot to Fran McCaffrey and to this team and, and the team he's put together. So if Iowa were to split um, these last two, it looks like they would most likely be the seventh seed in the Big Ten tournament. So they would get another upper division finish in the Big Ten. They'd be seventh, which would match them up against probably a team like Ohio State or Penn State in that 7-10 matchup. Uh, Ohio State would do more for you uh, in the net. They're higher in the net. Um, so uh, – it wouldn't be a great game. It wouldn't be like a quad one game, though. Uh, that would be – so you'd need to probably win two is what – so I think your analysis is correct. And in that scenario, Scott, Illinois is the most likely two seed, even if Iowa beats Illinois, just because of the, how the tiebreakers work. It's possible it won't be, but Illinois has the tiebreaker over Northwestern and Nebraska. So uh, you're basically looking a lot – you're going to have to beat Illinois at least once <laughs> in these next three to four games uh, to get into the tournament. That's a, that's going to be a tall task, but that's kind of, I guess, as we lay it out, that's sort of the path ahead here. So it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, it's it's going to be it's fun to have meaningful games here as we as we kick off March officially tomorrow. Yeah, here we are in Leap Day. Yeah. You know, it should be a more special day in this world. You know, it only happens once every four years. And- we leap forward and screw up our calendar, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we've reached this point where there's something to play for, something to look forward to, because it, it's, it's just so lonely when it is, when you, even if now, if you get to the NIT or if you're on the bubble and you know, that's still okay, but when, it, when we've been there before and Lord knows, like the first six years or whatever that I covered this program and I didn't have anything to look forward to. It was like, oh, man, you know, when am I ever going to cover this? Something good. You know, I was whining about it, you know, yeah. like, you know, I remember writing cause my daughter was born uh, the day after the Iowa Creighton game in 01. Okay. You know, and also a few hours after uh, Iowa state got beat by uh, who's that team? Hampton, yes, the two fifteen game. Yeah, was like that was like late night game in Idaho, and my daughter was born the next morning, and uh, and so I don't know how many times I would say it. It's like, well, you know, it's been, you know, my daughter's ten years old, and <laughs> you know, she's never been alive to watch an Iowa in, in an NCAA basketball win. You know, so at least that's over with. Well, thanks, Scott, and thank you, listeners. Uh, for Scott Docterman, this is Chad Leistico. Appreciate you sticking with us for this later afternoon edition of Legends and Listeners from the Channel Seed Studios. We'll talk to you next Thursday right here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Iowa Everywhere.